2: This
3: Yikes! Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. where here's the thing, you can check the score.
0: Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing purple frogs. Just like Bubba said, you in trouble, y'all.
2: check the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block? Stop the one hand. Impact we trust, it's power have the guts. We here to bring the heat. Y'all can
3: hang it up.
1: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus
2: others from the Five Reasons Sports Network.
3: Welcome back to Five on the Floor. I am your host, Greg Sylvander. Welcome back to me, too. Um, I've been gone for a couple episodes and I'm happy to be back with me on tonight's episode of five on the floor directly following that excruciating loss to the New York Knicks is Brady Hawk, follow him at Brady Hawk 305 and Alex Toledo, follow him at Tropical Blanket on Twitter. Um, so tonight's floor plan, I guess we're going to go through this whole game. There's a couple of things I want to really hone in on, and that's Bam Adebayo, the last possession. Uh, we need to discuss just how utterly useless Kyle Lowry was for most of the game, uh, and then we'll transition to some transaction talk on the back half of the episode. I'll give you a few updates that I got. Uh, I was out of pocket throughout this week, and I'll have some things to uh, share there that was either on off the floor or um, just some general stuff that I think uh, is worth thinking through as Heat fans approach the deadline. So with all that being said, I'm being long-winded because I've been off for a while here and so I'm trying to get high usage as I get back and get in my groove. Uh, I'll start with you Brady on I guess just your instant reaction to this uh, Heat-Knicks game because you know, we should acknowledge the Heat lost by two to the Knicks tonight. They are now uh, heading to Milwaukee, trying to avoid a one and three road trip. This is not how you want to enter a, a moment where the deadline is is looming. Uh, there were some bright spots, but overall, your reaction to the uh, Heat's loss to the 7th seed Knicks that's right behind them.
1: <laughs> there's a couple of different directions I feel like I would immediately go in terms of initial reaction. Like there's the negative side and then there's the positive side positive side is obviously bam and that would probably be my initial reaction is just the fact uh, that he has 32 points 11 of 16 from the field 10 of 11 from the free throw line like he got to the free throw line 11 times which just shows his aggression Uh, but what specifically stood out is like he had a great game overall like he was kind of consistently consistently throughout the game they were going to in the second quarter was more transition stuff but in the fourth quarter they got down around 10. And then that was when basically Bam just said, I'm just going to start being selfish. And then that turned into, we're just going to run every action for you the rest of this quarter felt like for at least a good portion of it, where it just feels weird to me. It's like the positive is like, yeah, Bam just had 32 and he had an amazing game. But it's like, why wait till you're down 10 to start utilizing Bam as your number one option and run actions for him and run isolations for him. And then Jimmy comes in and they're running inverted pick and rolls for him. And he's turning it into step back baseline jumpers. Like all of that stuff is like surprising to me. Uh, just because when you see it on display like it was tonight and it just looks so pure and easy to just go to and they're running stuff, it's like you just want more. Like I feel like that's always the the initial takeaway from it. Uh, so there was different – that was kind of the positive element. I feel like uh, in general, you know, it's weird because you see a 104-106 game, but I, I didn't feel like their defense was up to par at all. Like just the way that they're usually just kind of uh, – ball stopping. it. it's more so it wasn't, there was specific elements. Like, obviously they were really attacking Tyler. Like that's, that was very clear. Like RJ Barrett was going at him. He was getting to the basket. Oh, they yeah. were going at, they were trying to, because obviously Kyle's at a stage of his career. We talk about the matchups all the time and a matchup like this, he's guarding Julius Randall in the post. He's trying to front. Mm-hmm. They're trying to it's It's and Alex always used the word taxing where it's like, this defense is so taxing because you have to do so much correct. And it just takes so much physical activity. So they're attacking your kind of your two backcourt guys consistently. And it just led to kind of tough stuff defensively. Uh, and then obviously the the other thing that was kind of my initial takeaway was just the final shot. We were kind of talking about it pre-show. The, my first thing to say is like, that was an ideal shot from that scenario. Like that was a perfect look. <laughs> like they got it, it to the short corner with two seconds left. He got it up. He had a great look. It barely went off kind of the side of the rim. But my initial reaction, as we use that word again, was that, in a two-point game when Bam Adebayo has 32 points and he's barely hitting rim on any of his shots, I just feel like you go to him in that scenario. Like, that's just kind of where it comes down to. And I know people would kind of, like, once again, the shot was not a bad shot, but I almost would rather run, like, a similar action except Bam into the same spot on the floor except a few inches in where you kind of take him into that baseline two range and let him kind of hit that shot that he just hit a few minutes prior. That would kind of be the way I go. You'd have probably full momentum heading into overtime. I know they're always going to go for the three, it feels like, in that scenario. Uh, and once again, like, they had a good look, but it just comes down to in a game like this where Bam's just fresh off an all-star nod, by the way, which we could probably have a completely other podcast about that. We'll probably move that down the line to tomorrow or something. Who knows? But fresh off an all-star nod, just as a 32-point game, had a potential chance to kind of close it out late in the game but didn't get the opportunity uh, there was just a, there was a lot of different takeaways from this game it felt like and, and some of the stuff you mentioned transactions at the end of this episode blends into this game because I felt like there was specific elements of this game where there was loose spots in this roster yeah and being not
3: being connected on defense was completely obvious not going to bam on that last possession I agree with you I I didn't mind the Tyler shot and it also looked like Kyle Lowry helped Spo draw that up at least on the broadcast it appeared as if Kyle Lowry suggested something to Spolstra, uh, which made him say, okay, okay. And, uh, it looked like they were even kind of, um, the way he was, uh, lowry was pointing on the court it was almost directionally kind of where tyler ended up at least that's what it looked like from my perspective others can correct me if you feel differently uh so i feel like they got the look that they wanted but ultimately i wish that they would go to bam in that moment because this is bam out of ios franchise and i think that that's ultimately something that uh jimmy butler and he will they're like one and one a one a like they they both get one a or whatever like um but it needs. To, I felt like tonight was a, a night to go to Bam Alex. Quick takeaways on this game. Um, the last possession. I'd like to hear uh, how you felt about that specifically before we kind of uh, shift gears uh, beyond just this
2: exact game and, and look ahead a little bit. So yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Like I think Tyler got as good as a shot as you're gonna get there, right in that situation. I didn't think he was gonna get some sort of layup or anything like that. So he 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 lifted up got into the air and got up a decent three, even though it was contested. But I I agree. Like, I think it just should have gone to bam. I I think, you know, he put up a masterpiece of the game offensively, like Brady said, you know, was just not touching rim on all these shots that he's taking. And it's not just like the 10-foot dotted line ones that that Eric Reed loves to talk about. Like, he's really hitting these mid-range shots whenever, wherever. And he's just kind of stepping into them with rhythm and has really, you know, put that together. Like, the shots that they're giving up, he's taking. So it doesn't necessarily have to be from one area that he considers a hot spot. Like he, he just feels good wherever in that, you know, general painted area. And you know, Bam was on it, man. Like I just think he was incredible, really made up for the bad game that Jimmy had. Right. And not to talk down on Jimmy, but it just is what it is. He did not shoot well, did not get to the free throw line. He obviously still does more for you as a defender and a playmaker uh, playing up for his size. So, I'm just saying like Bam did an amazing job to make up for that. Tyler had a big second half, but I agree that the defense was a big problem all night. We, you know, we know he's not a great defender overall. He's made strides in general and knows where to be, but like his size is what it is. And I think RJ Barrett was the main guy taking advantage of him, but just in general, and especially at the the end of the game, they kept trying to get him to switch and, you know, good job by the heat to try to get him to kind of show and recover. He, they never really gave up that switch, which, I definitely like, but obviously just having a scramble off of that, you know, leads to, I think, easier shots for the Knicks. And, you know, the, I'm glad that Tyler was able to make up for it offensively because he really had a big time second half. And yeah, Kyle Lowry was a non-factor tonight. Just doesn't even look like he has confidence moving the ball anymore. Like everything looks out of place. I don't know what's going on with him. He looks like he doesn't know how to play like an off ball player anymore. Uh it's weird to me because it feels like he shouldn't, like if you're going to have him out there with the starters, you know, run a damn pick and roll for him every now and then, right? And Don't run the offense through him, but it just feels like he doesn't get into a rhythm and you don't get like great production from him at all in the three quarters that he plays because he doesn't really get the ball. He doesn't take open shots. He just, he's like stepping into these contested ones. So a lot to take away from tonight. Um, I'm, I'm glad that Bam put up another one of these games. You know, he was the biggest uh crunch time player in the last game too and it just felt like that shot should have gone to him I think you know hot take when you're down two, give the ball to your best player who's having a great game and who's really good at scoring twos this season kind of
3: I mean I'm with you on that and uh another weird thing about tonight um and trust me we want to talk about Kyle Lowry in a minute so just don't worry we're getting there um another weird thing about tonight was um Jimmy Butler, one free throw attempt, didn't appear to be necessarily that aggressive. Um, but you know who is aggressive? A, aggressive insurance. Uh, they're an insurance broker agency that's been servicing South Florida for over 15 years, offering auto, homeowners, condo life insurance. They offer retirement programs, free notary service to every client. Uh, Lynette, friend of the program. Go to insurancebylinette.com. They represent the leading insurance carriers in South Florida. If you have a bad driving record, no problem. No drivers refused. You'll even get a free phone quote. Reach out. The website is insurancebylinette. That's with two N's and two T's.com. Find her on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That's A Aggressive Insurance, the official sponsor of the five on the floor live post game show which is not happening tonight we're doing a podcast coming to you um directly following the game uh and shout out to the the uh crew over at miami heat beat who are taking over the youtube channel doing uh hangover time i bet that's a fun broadcast uh all right where the hell are we gonna go next i think we need to do this kyle thing now um I'm at the point where I think they need to make the trade. I think that they need to not approach this um, reluctant to break up something that you think could work. It's not working. Every time that I watch him play, he's less and less a part of the things that are happening that are going right. He's getting less and less minutes, 24 minutes tonight. I mean, like, what are we doing there? you bring in a player at such an exorbitant salary, $28 million. He's he, he's making more millions of dollars than he played minutes tonight. Um, like you got to play more minutes than your salary number. Um, I think that should be a new rule. How about that to get players to start playing? No, I'm joking. Uh, Kyle Lowry's was, uh, and this is box plus minus. So just uh, the stat. The stat heads out there put your noses up in the air. um It was a minus seventeen in twenty-four minutes in a two-point ball game. What the hell are we doing, Brady? Uh, are are you are you going to be able to, in a coherent fashion, tell me why Kyle Lowry is going to work with this group? Like, is there a path for that happening other than like? Just basically saying, well, everything that's going wrong is going to go right, which, duh, then it would be fine. Like, can you come up with another viable path? Because I'm at the point where I am actually out on Kyle Lowry as a member of the Miami Heat.
1: Yeah, I don't think I just don't think there is a path. Like, I don't know how you figure that out in, in terms of him. Uh, the thing you mentioned, the plus minus, And like you said, like plus minus doesn't always tell the full story. But when you're at halftime in a three point game and you're a minus 20, like that's kind of a problem (laughs) like that. Like there's kind of something to that number, whether you like plus minus or not. Uh, I said it like Gabe Vincent did not have his greatest game of the season by far. He was two for eight, one for six from three. Somehow ended up with a plus 14 plus minus just because of the, the play of Kyle throughout. But you right when he entered, it was funny because I was like, like you felt the offense energy shift like right when Gabe came in, like he came in, he came off like a high picker and roll and hit a three immediately. That what what is one three of the night. But it, like you saw a confidence in his role. I watched Kyle and we could sit here and talk about all the things that that's kind of going wrong for him. The shot making, the ability to burst past and kind of get to that second or third level, the defensively not be able to guard his position like we could talk about all that but he just doesn't look comfortable out there. Like he does not look confident or comfortable in his role whatsoever, whether he's on the ball, bringing it down the floor, whether he's off the ball, looking to shoot. Like there's just so many moments where like he's made a career of himself, like his entire time in Toronto off, like having the ball in his hands or not, but like being confident and making decisions on the fly constantly. I've seen him either give up shots that are there for him, or he's driving, and he like doesn't know if he should kick out to this spot or this spot. Or he's like kind of like, like kind of like overthinking in a way. And I know we talked about when, when the last guy that was struggling was Duncan Robinson last year, and, and all we did was talk about overthinking. And I hate to use that word over and over, but it almost feels like that. Like he just doesn't look comfortable out there at all. And it gets to a point where like you're just trying to fix so much because you're trying to fix you know a player that is you know way pa- is past his prime that is getting up there in kind of his NBA career days, I don't know how you adjust stuff. Like you can't just sit here. It's not a young player that you're giving to the coaching staff and say, do this, do this, do this. Like, it's not at that point anymore. So is there a pathway in terms of fixing it? I just don't really see it at this stage. And look, and we always talk about, cause I know we're talking about trades and you talk about kind of the possibility of moving it. You always talk about the, kind of the reason he came here was for Jimmy. If he's not comfortable in his role and he's not comfortable being here, I don't think Jimmy would have a problem with signing off on him, going to another team at this age. So like, if that's the one thing that we feel like is holding a guy back, I feel like we're past that point too, to be honest. Yeah.
3: And I also think maybe that we're past the point of them having to necessarily care how Jimmy feels about it because you have to do what's best for the, the collective, frankly. I mean, like, sure. what are we doing here? Look at this guy. Um, I mean, I hate to say that. uh, Alex, you've referenced some stuff in the chat that I'm not going to give away and steal your thunder, but um, you know, this was supposed to be a core four, as you said, and do you think that the trade stuff could have anything to do with Kyle being a little bit more like he looks recently, like just kind of, I don't want to say disengaged necessarily. Cause he was, you know, very much engaged with Spolster late in that ball game, but on the court, just looking uncomfortable, we're going to use Brady's adjective. Is that because maybe he knows his name is potentially coming up in the next week here, or have you seen something gradual take place recently with him in the offense that would indicate that they're just phasing him out because it's not working.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it is. Like, I don't think it's necessarily trade related. I mean, obviously I don't know what's going on in his head, but he's, he's been around the league for so long and um I actually don't necessarily think he's going to get traded just because it seems so complicated to pull off now, but I'm definitely not against it. And and I think I've definitely come towards um, that just thought in the same way that I've come gradually towards the, the thought of bringing him off the bench. It's the way that they're using him. Now you're just not getting much out of him. Like, I don't mind him being an off-ball player. Like I like the way that they use him as a screener. That's the one positive thing I'll say about him on offense. That he can screen, and that's good for Jimmy, right? I wish they would actually do it a little bit more for Bam, um, but in general, he's good at that. And usually, he's he's a good ball mover, even when he's not an on-ball player. And like Brady said, like he looks like he's just overthinking things out there. Like sometimes he'll he'll stop the ball movement going on, and he doesn't do that all the time. Like I think tonight was was particularly bad it might have been the worst he's looked in a heat uniform but just off recent memory like he, he hasn't had a great season but tonight was was very bad like he i don't know he, he looks like he's hesitating with his decisions and he looks like somebody who i wouldn't mind just running the bench unit and you know having him in lineups with vic and bam instead of that game vic and bam unit that they go to a lot you know when things are healthy like just something like that where you kind of get those guys involved with the pick and roll action there Instead of stapling his minutes to Jimmy, I know Giancarlo from Heat Beat has talked about that. I, I agree with that. Just in general, he has not lived up, especially this season, to you know, the the whole core four thing. Like, and they I don't know why they, you know, insisted on <laughs> pushing the core four thing, even if unintentional, right? Uh, in, in press conferences. If you like you're right, they're phasing him out. That's exactly what's happening. He doesn't play fourth quarters at all anymore. And, uh, you know, unless he's having, like, a hot game, he, ha- he had that nice four-quarter against the Pelicans. Every other game, like, he's not there. He's he's not a four-quarter player anymore. And in the three quarters he is playing, he's out of place. Like, I-, I don't know what's going on, but I'm definitely not against trading him. I just don't know that they're going to be able to get – like, they're definitely not going to get back a better – like, a-, a good shot creator or something like that that's going to replace him as a core 4 type of player. I think if you-, if you can make him a part of a trade where you're getting back a couple of rotation players, I'm definitely not against it. As long as it's the right fit. I just think he, he's not a part of that core four anymore. I think it's just kind of what it's, what it showed to be this season. Uh, you're right. The minutes and the
3: usage you're, and you know, just compared to your percent of total salary, like it's, he's not, he's not a part of a core four. And I think it was really Spolster who I first heard coin that phrase. If I uh, remember correctly, but, um, so the trade deadlines next Thursday, we're going to run through some of the latest Intel I've been out of pocket uh, on the nine to five so now I'm I'm back around plugged in and trying to catch up on all my uh, text messages DMS and such so we'll go through that kind of thing latest Intel. Uh, on uh, the back half of the episode. Before we do I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reason Sports Network. That is Prize picks. You have 217 hours to take care of this or to take advantage of this promo. Patrick Mahomes, right now, if he throws for one yard in the Super Bowl, that square, if you go over, you'll you'll get a free square essentially. That's a 99% off square. This is on prizepicks.com. You can play NFL, NBA together. You choose over and unders on your favorite players. Uh, Super easy. The stats that you know and love, receiving yards, rushing yards, points, rebounds, blocks, assists. Uh, you choose over and under, and depending on how many players you choose that get correct on the same card, you can win up to 10 times your money. But here's the key. You got to use the code 5, F-I-V-E. That'll get your initial deposit matched up to $100. Use the code 5, F-I-V-E. That's Picks. Great app, but also has desktop application, um, prizepicks.com. if you want to go there and use the code 5. But Prize Picks daily fantasy made easy. This
0: show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
0: da ba ba ba
3: Yeah, I'm all over prize picks, by the way. that That's going to be fun leading up to the Super Bowl. Um, so, the other part of this is... You mentioned, like, the different packages, Alex, uh, as we kind of get into some trade stuff. Um, Do you have anything – do either of you, before we go to trade transaction season, do either of you have anything else about the New York Knicks game that you want to bring up?
2: Max had a good game. Other than that, that's about it. R.J. Barrett got absolutely going at the rim, and the Knicks hit way too many at the rim, like 22 of 32. Oh, Wow! It, at the same time, the, the Heat don't finish well at the rim—thirteen of twenty-two. So it's just, yeah, the, the defense wasn't all there when they weren't forcing turnovers, like Brady talked about before. I'd, I'd say my last
1: take takeaway kind of segues into the trade stuff because I'll say we should mention that Udonis Aslam was the backup big tonight, what? and like yeah. the the, the, the reason the the way I come down on this is like. He was the best option tonight. Like, I really believe that. Like, that's the wild thing. Like, I don't have a problem with going to it. It's just the fact that you are one two-way big away from this point. Like, okay, oh, Mary is going to be back, you know, pretty soon. But, like, we don't know what that's going to look like even. Like, we haven't even seen that this season. So, like, the fact that you're two-way big gets hurt and this is the point you're at, this is when I kick it to Greg and say, like, that this is where the trades come in because you need front court help. You potentially need a four. You potentially need that four to potentially play backup five. Like you need moving parts in the front court. And I think tonight, if there was one takeaway from the trade part of this, it was that.
3: Yeah. The ODM performance solution of the night is obviously probably a little less Kyle Lowry, but also um, UD was their best option. There's no doubt. Um, I think that, Dwayne Deadman is probably not going to play much between now and February 9th. That's just how I, I, that's my humble prediction. The ODM performance solution is they need to fortify this front court. Somehow team building is hard ask Miami. It's been hard, but it doesn't always have to be hard. ODM Performance Solutions can help you build a winning team and keep it together. If you're looking to fill an important role at your company, ODM Performance Solutions can help you find C-suite level leadership, sales rainmakers, management, operational support staff, whatever you need. To find out more, check out odmpsi.com or give them a call at 954-434-0634. Again, that's ODM Performance Solutions, odmpsi.com or call them at 954-434-0634. Transaction season. So I don't think that they can actually really change the complexion of this roster unless they include Kyle Lowry in the trade. Um, That's my opinion, that they can't really like fix this shit right now unless Kyle Lowry's in a deal. Um, I know that they are if they can get back contributors and Duncan can can be a part of that deal that they'd like to do that because it gets them off that long-term money. A lot of the players that we hear about are on, you know, either expiring deals or they're going to expire the year after. Um, Few notes that I think we should catch everyone up on. If you're not subscribed to off the floor, they know this already. Uh, Shout out to everybody on our off the floor subscriber feed. Uh, Just a a few uh, notes that I, uh, you know, I was away from my phone on my nine to five gig and came back. I really was trying to stay off of it. I had a little bit of screen time each night, but other than that, I didn't really get to plug in, missed a lot of great content, missed a good Barry Jackson article, and then I kind of parroted everything he said um, and felt awful about it. Um, uh, I swear I did not read that before posting what I said about what will be fascinating about the heat salary cap. Here's the news and notes. There's the long-winded way of me getting here. Uh, They've talked to the Houston Rockets. I think it's K.J. Martin that they're looking at. This would be the type of deal where if they could uh, make a swap for a lower salary player, that would allow them the chance to have the wiggle room to stay under the tax and use the 15th roster spot. This is that kind of move. That's like how I envision it personally. Uh, Also heard Oklahoma city could be an option for them to get involved in a trade as that pick is still outstanding. And if they could maybe move that up to 2023, they'd have flexibility going forward. Also. Dorian Finney-Smith is reportedly available from the Dallas Mavericks. I checked in uh, with a league source who told me that don't be surprised if Miami immediately calls. They've been interested in him. They love his game. I know he hasn't shot well, um, but I would watch for that. And uh, then a report came about Kelly Olynyk, And uh, I don't know, last week or so, I mentioned that they were talking to Utah about a number of guys, Jared Van- Vanderbilt being one, but Kelly Olynyk being another. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get both of them in a deal, if they could work something out. I don't know how viable that is, um, but we'll wait and see. And I'll close with this. And then I want you guys to just kind of react to, to, to this f- floodgate of news. I really think that in light of the fact that when you hear Shams talk about either OG or Pascal Siakam being a, a notable trade candidate, one or the other, it sounded like John Collins, Jay Crowder. Um, I can confirm that the heat have checked in on three of the four guys that they named. I can't verify anything else other than that per you know, the source that I have. Um, I really think that the heat are gonna have to th- look hard at some of these bigger plays like a John Collins, like a OG and Anobi, and see if they can get, um, you know, really involved in those in those talks. What are your thoughts on those players? Jay Crowder also is a buyout kind of situation. Brady, uh, reaction to those names, um, particularly maybe some of the ones that I had heard that were more solid, and then even the bigger fish
1: that Shams mentioned. Yeah, after a two point loss to the Knicks, I don't think anybody wants to hear us talk about Jay Crowder too much tonight. So if I'm Miami, though, among all the stuff you were just talking about, like I would have all eyes on Toronto. Like that was kind of be the way I would go in terms of names you were mentioning, like if you can find a way to get an OG and an OB type, we've not mentioned it before about the fact that uh, he's basically the prototypical heat type build that they just love where if you can plug him in there and obviously uh, put them around your core three, but maybe I can start that type of phrase now because we just talked about the core four. I think you would kind of look at that in terms of the trades you were mentioning I think that the you know it's not flashy, but the Alinic type of Vanderbilt move gives you a little bit of more flexibility in the front court where they can at least do different things where it's not uh backup big plays 10 minutes and Bam has to just run around on both sides of the ball, being the most important player probably on both ends for the other what 38 minutes a game. Like that is just a tough thing to do. If you get a Kelly Alinek type, that can be your offensive threat that you could play as backup big at times or next to Bam. You have Vanderbilt, who I think would be a personal favorite, I suppose, just because I feel like he could do so many different things defensively. He can clear up things on rebounding, uh, the one through the kind of the two through five switching type, like that would kind of be an interesting trade. And I you said it it does seem kind of difficult to like try to get both of those guys in the same deal. Like, I don't know how that would work specifically, but in terms of basketball wise, like, I feel like that would be a nice addition. But like you said, it, it feels like they're at the point where They have to look at the big stuff first. And I feel like when you keep hearing the name of Toronto and it seems like it seems like there's a holdup in terms of Toronto, where like whatever Toronto does, it feels like that will like open everything up for the trade deadline in terms of everybody making moves, or at least if they pick a direction and they figure out what guys are staying and they actually do build around Scotty and what guys go. Like, I feel like the heat really need to act upon that.
3: And here's the thing with this. Here's the thing. Shout out to Ethan. Who's not on tonight. Um, if any team's going to take Kyle Lowry back on some feel good shit, it's Toronto. So like Mm -hmm. that, I, that raises my eyebrows in terms of like what the hell could happen here? Uh, He's just a big chunk of salary that could be moved around. Alex, the names I mentioned initially, I know are not as sexy as the, the, the other names, which I really think the heat are going to check in on like this whole, even John Collins watch for the hook y'all, even though I think he may end up out West. Uh, What are your thoughts on the names that we went through, your favorites of them, Um, and just general reaction to the Toronto situation and the players there? Because we haven't even talked about Siakam because I don't think that that's an option necessarily. But I guess OG more than anything. Although people are starting to say Memphis is going to get OG out of nowhere um, and they have more assets. So we'll see. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts on all those trade candidates.
2: So, yeah, the Raptors are definitely the biggest – uh, part of all this is going to be an interesting trade deadline, I think, because the parity in the league this season, like there's just so many competitive teams. And like spouse said the other night, not as many tanking ones. So it feels like a lot of teams are looking to add a piece or two, even if it's not like the most exciting names in the world. Um, right. The Raptors are what changes all that, because like you said, um, if OG, Siakam, Van Vliet, Gary Trent, like if one or two of those guys get dealt, like those are pretty good players that, that are, Gettable right, that could really change um, a lot for a contending team, and uh, it seems like OG is the most likely one to be traded. It feels like the Raptors are, are leaking stuff. Like there was the stuff with you know, there's there's going to be a Pelicans Grizzlies bidding war. And the Knicks are willing to throw down three first round picks. I feel like if they really were throwing down three for a first, this would have got done already. It feels like they're setting that market up, and it feels yeah. like what the Raptors do is going to set the market for the rest of the trade deadline. And yeah, I would definitely be in on OGE. I do think the price is a little steep. Would be an awesome fit for sure. But um, Siakam is, of course, like, you know, I, I think a top 25, top 20-ish player. So, of course, there would be some interest there, even if it wouldn't be like the most perfect fit in the world. Between Jimmy and Bam, I, you know, uh, Gary Tran, Bam Vliet, like these are good players. So, of course, the Heat should check in to see, like, which ones are actually gettable, what the price would be. Uh, after that like i think collins is you know ha- has had a down year shooting but it does feel like he's gonna end end up on the suns or the jazz or something with all the noise that's happened there um obviously wouldn't be against it and that report came out recently that the new uh hawks uh, management over there with what is it landry field and, and somebody else it's, like it seems like they don't value collins as much and don't want as much in a return or at least that was a a recent report so if you're not giving up a ton of stuff for Collins, i i'm more into the move I, I thought before the price was a little steep so that that is interesting to me um and as far as the jazz stuff definitely intrigued by that um vanderbilt doesn't really shoot but you know he only takes like a three maybe two a game but he is an awesome defender awesome rebounder awesome defensive playmaker you know, another guy who would fit perfectly into pretty much all their schemes, like Brady said, and can play small ball five for spurts. Um, So, yeah, getting him alongside Kelly would be nice. I think if you could somehow get Malik Beasley out of the deal, too, I think that's the type type of thing where you you probably got to involve Kyle because um, Malik Beasley makes like 16 mil, so you're adding another significant contract into there. Not saying I would do that, but that would be interesting just because, you know, you you could use the shooting – But yeah, like, I think there's a lot of interesting sellers out there that the Heat should definitely be in touch with. And shout out to you, man, for giving us all this information.
3: It was um, compiling in the inbox as I didn't have the chance to really, like, check in. And then I started to follow up and follow up and then got an avalanche of cool stuff. Um, Who knows where any of it goes? Like, that's the whole part about this. Part of this is just let's enjoy the fact that there's – you know, definitely stuff being talked about. I think another team for Kyle Lowry to watch for is maybe the Clippers. You know, him and 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 a lot of people in that organization are really close, and they have a glut in the front court. Um, so watch Paul there. And
2: Rob Covington just it works pretty well when you trade yeah. two for
3: one. Oh, and Norm Powell is a bench scorer please. I mean, gosh, they need it. Um, and then also, uh, Marcus Morris is on that team as well. Uh, and then the other team is Dallas because like if they don't do something for Luca, that's going to get weird. And they also have bigs. And I mentioned Dorian Finney Smith, um, that need to be moved, whether it's Christian Wood, and I don't know that he would end up in Miami. But watch Dallas as a as a Lowry team. I'm into. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You got so much money committed next year, and they are not going to be a tax team for a middling four or five seed. I don't think. Um, and it's just, do you be proactive or reactive? We shall see. Thank you for joining us on tonight's episode. We'll have you covered for uh, the next game and everyone thereafter leading up to the deadline. Have a great night.
0: Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.